We are in a series of messages that we are calling Keep the Change. And we're just absolutely loving it because that's what we want. We want change. We want to make progress. We want to grow. We want our lives to be dynamic. We want to feel like we're moving forward on the journey of life, that we're maturing, that we're nearing the target that God has in mind when he looks at us. And, and I don't think it's really the, pro- the pro- I don't think the problem is that we don't desire change. I think all of us deep down want to grow. No one's like, you know what? I'd really love to be stagnant. That would be fun. That would just be neat just to always feel like life is just going on, but I'm not. I don't think anybody wants that. I think all of us want to change. And I think, I think the problem is also not that we don't ever try to change. I think the real problem is that we don't often keep the change that we go for. And that's why first week of January, when I was driving to the gym, I had to do, I kid you not, I counted four laps before I could get a spot at the gym in the main parking lot. I could have broken down at any point and parked in the auxiliary parking lot, but I have, I have standards, people. I refuse to get any exercise on my way in to get exercise. I, I want to, isn't that just wrong? Isn't that just the problem with our culture, right? I will, but I will. I will circle the gym to go and walk on the treadmill. The gym part, I will drive around it like three, four times. I don't care. But, but then I'll go in and get on a, Anyhow, but that was the first week of January. Let me tell you, this past week, every single time I've gone in, I've gotten a front row spot each time, just pulling in. The thing has changed because there's those who said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, I'm really going to get in shape this year. We try to change. We just often don't keep the change. And that's why we're in this series talking about what we are. Week one, first part, we talked about how to select the right change. Because if we don't pick the, the right thing to go for, even if we get it, we lose. If we aim for the leaves instead of for the root, uh, we're not any better off than we are at the end of it, even if we win. Uh, week two, the second message in the series, we heard a fantastic sermon on the right power. Not just picking the right change, but also picking the right power for the change, and that is the Holy Spirit. You got an agent. What a great message that was. That was part two. If you've missed any of these, these are available at freshlife.church. Product placement. Um, this week, we're going to get a little help from Jesus's half brother. So, if you have a Bible, join me in James chapter one for a message I'm calling "On the Spot." On the spot. Say, turn to your and say, "This, this message is going to be spot on." I believe it will be on the spot. James one. Uh, James is, as I just mentioned, uh, Jesus's half brother. Which can you just imagine the pressure? I mean, think about how often he felt his parents, maybe they didn't say it because it probably would have gotten old, but just how often he would have felt them when they looked at him doing something, when they looked at him getting caught doing something. And the, 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 the nonverbal communication was just screaming, why can't you just be more like your brother? Dang it. Right? He, they'd catch him like red-handed doing something, and Mary would be like, hey, what would Jesus do? And I, I just imagine that, that would get old. And... Uh, but it says, it speaks volumes that, that James became a Christian and became a pastor. And he did not do any of those things till after Jesus had risen from the dead. But to be fair to James, I mean, I think it would take at least a resurrection from the dead for most of us to worship our brother. Um, and uh, all of Jesus' life, he, he rejected him. And it wasn't until Jesus rose from the dead that finally he's like, oh, gosh, I guess if I have to, he did rise from the dead and all. But he not only became a believer, he also became a pastor. And he wrote one of the books uh, in the Bible that's called the book of James, or in Spanish, it's the book of Jaime. And uh, that's what we're reading. And in chapter one of James, 
verse, uh, turn to your neighbor and say, these are the jokes, people. It says in verse 21, therefore, someone say, therefore. therefore. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Now, if he says, therefore, that's usually pointing back to something he already said. In this case, that is indeed the case. And that's because earlier in the chapter, he was talking about how desires can get out of control. Desires can mess you up. Desires can, can, can lead you astray because desires draw you away. They tempt you away. And then once the desire conceives and you give into it, it gives birth to sin. So having the desire to do something bad isn't sin. It's when you give into it, it is. But when sin uh, gets full grown, it always brings forth death. So when we give into our desires that are not good desires, it'll lead to sin. And when sin grows up, it leads to death. And that's what he was talking about. And that's what he's connecting back to in verse 21 when it says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted, everyone say implanted, implanted. word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, and, and I, someone told me one time that God wants everyone stranded in sin to look into the perfect law and receive life and liberty through Jesus Christ. He's talking about the gospel here. Looks into the perfect law of liberty he says, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. Everyone say doer, doer. of the work. This one will be blessed. That's what we want, blessing. The, the, the one, one translation of the Bible translates the word blessed as oh, how happy. He will be oh, how happy in what he does. That's what God wants for you. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religious religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is not talking big, but rather to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Would you pray with me? Father, we're grateful for the chance to sit under the reading of your word. That's what just happened. And scripture commands that that would be a thing that would happen in this house, that it'd be a place, not just a prayer, not just a place where all nations could come. Anybody could come, anybody, however messed up, anybody, no matter where they are on the faith journey, anybody, even if they don't know who Jesus is or know that they like him or, or know that they don't like him, that it's a place where you could come and hear that. But it would also be a place that would be given over to the reading of God's word. And so as we've done that now, we ask for your spirit to do what only you can do and to take your word and to drive it into our hearts in the way that we need to be hit by it, to be, to be um, impacted by it, that we would have certain things revealed to us through it by your spirit that can't happen naturally. But then we also pray for our side of things because after you've revealed it, we must choose to respond to it.
And so we pray for both to happen, that you would do what only your spirit can do, breathe on these words into our hearts and our midst. But we pray now also for us to have the strength and the grit and the fortitude and the obedience to respond to it like we should. And above all things, our request would be that in our midst, in our gathering, if there's anybody without God, without hope in this world, anybody who's coming with a heavy heart, with a burdened soul, with a guilty conscience, with fear, without the peace and certainty of heaven, that as your word goes out and we spend time talking on it, your spirit would move in their hearts in such a way that they would be drawn to you. They would almost just find it irresistible as your grace is held up and they look into the perfect law of liberty and they would receive life in the name of Jesus. And we ask this in your name. And we all said together, amen. amen. James here is talking about change. He's talking about laying aside things that are filthy, laying aside things that are wicked. And isn't that our desire? We're trying to look at our lives and go, what's excessive? What's unnecessary? What's unhealthy? What's holding me back? We're trying to lay aside things that are filthy, things that are wicked, or things that are just irrelevant. Maybe they were useful at one point, but they're no longer useful today. We're trying to always, just, just knowing that our desires can lead us to sin and sin can bring us to death, that we are capable of doing things that will make a mess of our lives. We're trying to, in this series, make some changes. We're trying to end this new year. We're trying to end this new season, in this brand new decade. By the way, welcome to a brand new era. If, you're not, if you weren't here last weekend, we, we saw God usher in a brand new decade. It's, it's a brand new church plant called freshlife.church. And we're excited to be at the beginning of something. And as we are at the beginning, we're assessing what from the old we don't want to hold on to anymore. What we can lay aside that's filthy and wicked. I like how another translation puts that verse. It's the T-E-V. It puts it this way. Rid yourselves of every filthy habit and all wicked conduct. Basically, it's the wicked and the worthless. We don't want to be hanging on to the wicked and the worthless. And James is telling us not just that we need to lay it aside, but how. How? That's the, that's the big thing. That's the important thing. And he gives us a list, four different things. And I hope if you brought something to write them down, you'll jot them down. Maybe the worship guide that we gave you, or if you're watching on the online broadcast, you could write there in your note window. Write, write these four things down. Number one, write this down. Stay put. Say, someone say that out loud. Say, stay put. That's what he says. He talks about receiving the implanted word with meekness, receiving the implanted word with weakness, with meekness, not, not weakness. That was an accident. Uh, weakness and meekness are different. They sound alike. They're so different. Meekness can be mistaken for weakness, but meekness is strength under control. It's a strength, but with humility. It's a strength, but, but, but under God's control. Okay? So um, I like how the Amplified gives us an insight into what he's saying. When he says, receive it with meekness, the word of God that's been implanted, the Amplified makes it so much simpler. It just says, welcome the word. Welcome the word. I hope that's your heart as you come to church. I hope you're welcoming the word. I hope when I said, let's open up to the book of James and start a reading, I hope your heart said, I welcome the word. The word is welcome here. That should be our mentality, that we would come to church saying, God, I welcome a word from heaven. I want God to speak a word to my situation. I'm begging God for revelation. I hope that's your posture, because the, the, the text says we got to receive the implanted word. Everyone say implanted. So something that's implanted is a seed. And that's what Jesus said hearing God's word preached is like. It's like a sower that sows seed, goes out to the ground and starts throwing seed on the ground. Our job, our responsibility is to be good soil. 
Our responsibility is to not be rocky soil, to not be crowded soil. It's not to be soil with birds everywhere that are going to eat it up, that we would say, I welcome the word. The word is welcome here, that we're, we're getting the snow off the lights so that the airplane can land. We're out there with the, with the glow sticks, like, welcome here. God, your word is welcome here. And enthusiasm welcomes the word. And expectation welcomes the word. And preparation welcomes the word. It just it puts something fervent in your spirit when your heart says, I welcome the word. I love that so much. And we would do so believing God's word is able to be a part of the change that we need. What we believe about God's word is very significant when it comes to what we can receive out of it. So let me tell you something about God's word. Psalm 19, which is all about God's word, it puts it this way. It says, the law of the Lord, it's a synonym for the Bible, is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It says, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And I just picked a couple of them. The whole chapter, you could do uh, very well for yourself to read Psalm 19 this week, or read Psalm 19 before you come into church, to read Psalm 19 before you open up the Bible, just to know what you're finding out about, what's going to happen to you. So, so what, what, what's so cool about this is the connection to the implanted word being received with eagerness in a spirit that's full of meekness. That posture, what it does is it sets you up to lay aside the wicked and the worthless. Why? Because it's God's word that's going to reveal to you what needs to go exactly. Because the world's confusing. We're living in a world full of people with all sorts of different worldviews, and we have different desires pulling us astray. And there's just magnetic fields and interference and static. But we come into God's house. His word gets opened up as it begins to be preached, and the seed begins to be sown. When we have welcome hearts, we're saying, God, put your finger on anything you want to and say, that's the spot, that's the spot, that's the spot, that's the spot. Be it, be, be it in my relationships, be it in my business, be it in how I have my thought life, be it in my entertainment, be it in some self his preoccupation. I want heaven to say, that's the spot right there. That's what's wicked. That's what's worthless. That's what needs to go. And when we have that kind of a heart that says, with meekness, I'm receiving the implanted word, which is able to save my soul, we're welcoming God's conviction. We're welcoming God's encouragement. We're welcoming God's guidance and the infusions of strength that go along with it. But caution, in order to receive the implanted word, you got to be planted yourself. Psalm 92, verse 13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. I think sometimes it's the fact that we're so sporadic with church attendance, and we're so sporadic with availing ourselves to the consistent preaching of God's word. As we pray through a year, we're praying through what topics we're going to hit. We want a balance of things. We want to address the full counsel of God's word. And so as we're doing that, we're systematically doing it. So if you only come here and there, you're only intermittently exposing yourself to opportunities for God. God, to recalibrate your soul to heaven and to put his finger on stuff and say, that's the spot. And that's why you got to stay on the spot where God can say, that's the spot. You got to stay on the spot. You got to stay on the spot. You got to stay right there on the spot where God can say, is there in your weak spots where you're saying, there's a spot I'm staying on where God can say, that's the spot. If you're not, then you're not receiving the implanted word because you're not letting it get planted. You're, you keep uprooting, uprooting, uprooting. You're not giving it opportunity to grow, grow, grow. And that's why you should stay put in your small group. You should stay put in your daily devotional plan. You should stay put in your weekly gathering together with God's people as you should. Listen to me. You got to hear consistently. 
you got to hear consistently. That's what it means to stay put. But there's a second. Hearing is not enough. You also got to put it into practice. You got to put it into practice. The text told us explicitly, do not just be hearers of the word, but also be doers. Or how my boy J.B. Phillips put it, he just straight up said, put it into practice. So creative of me coming up with this second point. I just ripped it from the pages of the Bible, but stay put and then put it into practice. So we come where we can hear it, but it does no good if we go out and don't do what we hear, which is why hear consistently is not the end of the story. You also got to act instantly. That's how we put it into practice. We act instantly. Here's, here's what I'm saying to you. I'm saying to you that we have to have the mentality that when he puts his finger on some part of your life, on some part of your relationship, on some part of how you conduct yourself, on some part of how you spend, on some part of how you do anything, and he says, that right there, that's the spot. That's the wicked. That's the worthless. That needs to go. What you should say is, yes, sir, here we go. Yes, sir, here we go. Right away. You got to act instantly. You can't put it off to tomorrow. You can't say, I'll eventually get around to that. Oh, yeah, I should be generous. I should be giving. I should be tithing. It would be nice. I shouldn't be living with this person. We're not. You, 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 don't, you don't delay it. You don't say, well, eventually I'll get right with that. Because there's always going to be a reason not to obey. There's always going to be a reason not to live under God's blessing. The devil will make sure that happens. There's always going to be something inconvenient about it or why today's not the right day for what God is speaking into your heart that you should do, the dream that's brewing that you're meant to step out in faith on. There's always going to be somebody, well, you know what? I really should do that. I'll just do it in a week or I'll just do it in a month. But no, no, you got to act instantly. You got to act right away. The right time to do the right thing is right now. Today's the day for you to respond to God's voice. I'm preaching to somebody on television. You're watching Fresh Life on God speaking to your heart. You need to respond to him, not tomorrow, right now. Pick up the phone and make that call and send that text and delete that app and maybe cancel that service on your television. If God's saying that's wicked and that's worthless and I want that gone, he's fighting for your future. He's trying to bless you. He doesn't make sin forbidden because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's not helpful and it's hurting you and it's going to bring forth death in your life. When he says it's wicked, when he says it's worthless, when he says that's the spot as you're staying on the spot, you got to act right away. I'm going to say something provocative and some of you are going to push back against it and that's okay because you're wrong. <laughs> the Bible can't change your life. Bible's a mirror, the passage says. And a mirror can do some things and can't do some things. A mirror reveals stuff. It doesn't fix stuff. And I'm so afraid for maybe American Christianity and the cultural Christianity that, that it's just all about I receive truth and I hear a podcast and I'll leave that church if I didn't get fed and I wasn't getting anything out of it because that's saying mirror, mirror on the wall, fix what's jacked up in my soul. This mirror can tell me I got something in my teeth. This mirror can tell me that I got a little bit to lose in my midsection. And it is saying that right now. <laughs> this mirror could tell me, mm, this mirror could tell me, yeah, could have done a little bit better of a job getting the sleep out of your eyes this morning, pal. But you know what this mirror doesn't do good at? Fixing stuff. Get that, get that sleep out of my eye. 
<laughs> Losing weight, feeling great. Mm. Oh, yeah, I got stuff in my teeth. No. And God's word is like a mirror. God's word is there to say to you, that's the spot. Here's the time. Now you got to respond. I think sometimes we're expecting God's word to give us abs. We're expecting God's word to give us good marriage. Well, I heard a sermon. Why am I not changed? I heard a sermon. Why am I not blessed? I heard a sermon. Why am I not happier? I heard a sermon. Why am I not? Because you got to do it. It reveals it to you. You got to respond to do it. You got to get your back into it. You got to rise up in obedience to it. He says that's wicked. He says that's worthless. You can't just hear consistently, you got to act instantly. you got to put it into practice. We were talking about Psalm 19, right? And Psalm 19 basically says God's word's amazing. God's word's phenomenal. God's word, it can lead you to clarity. God's word, it can do all this stuff. It can convert to soul, convert to soul. But listen, here's how God's word eventually, it, that whole passage, it leads down to this, verse 11. Moreover, by your servant is warned and in keeping them, there is great reward. Keeping them, in responding to what God's word reveals. The great reward is not in hearing God's word. It's in doing God's word. It's when you respond and you say, OK, and you immediately rise up to obey. If it didn't work, it's probably because you're not putting it to work. You're not working it. The same thing in Jesus's ministry. He said the same thing. There's that famous passage about if you uh, take two different people whose lives are built on two different foundations, one sandy and one's rocky, and you expose them to the same crisis. Maybe it's sudden grief, or maybe it's um, uh, being paralyzed, or maybe it's being, uh, being super sick, or maybe it's going through the loss of a job, whatever. Take two people, expose them to the same storm, OK? One does fine and is robust through it and isn't beaten down by it and is prevailing and is steadfast and immovable. And, and, and that's, the, that's what we want to be, like where Jesus says, that's a person whose life's built on a rock. He says, the other guy's life's built on a sand, a sandy foundation. It looks good. The house looks great. But the moment that storm comes, the moment, moment that crisis shows up, they're just destroyed by it. Their, their faith in God is destroyed by it. Their sweet spirit is destroyed by it. They don't suffer well. And, and the difference we've always been taught is the person who hears God's word, right? The person who hears God's word is the person who has the rock under them. And that's how I've heard it explained. Man, you got to live your life hearing God's word because the person who doesn't listen to what Jesus has to say, they're not going to have the rock under, under their feet. But that's not what the text says. Jesus, look, here's the actual key to the story. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into Practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. Hearing God's word does not put rock under your feet. It's when you put God's word into practice and you walk it out on the soles of your feet. And you walk it out in your marriage and you walk it out at the workplace and you walk it out with your money and you walk it out with your time. It's putting into practice that's going to give you the stability in crisis. Information is meant to lead to application. And when that happens, the result will be transformation. Information, application, transformation. That should be church. Receive with welcome hearts the word. He says that's the spot as we're staying on the spot. And as we rise up to obey right away, acting instantly, what happens? Transformation, change that we can keep. 
But when you come week by week and God says that's the spot and you go, no, 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 that's not my spot. That's not my spot. I came for this other problem because we're focusing on the wrong change. We want better budgeting. And God says, you're greedy. We want to be fit. And God says, you're too preoccupied by your body. You know, so he's saying, wicked and worthless. And we're trying to shift the blame. We're trying to think of someone in our life who should be hearing that message instead of us. All that happens is we've replaced application for something else. So instead, it's just information, information, information. It can't get to application to the transformation. And it sure as heck isn't going to skip over to the transformation. So here's what happens instead. It goes like this, information, information, information with no application. So what happens? Self-deception, inoculation. Self-deception, inoculation. Self-deception, inoculation. That's a person who just receives God's word, but doesn't respond to it. I know so many verses. Blah, blah. I know I know so much. I'm going to correct you on the blah. I could tell you about stuff in the Greek. Blah. Obesity in the spiritual life. I'm just receiving. I'm a big Bible fathead. I receive so much, but it's not doing anything for me because my my, my, my information is only leading to self-deception because now I know verses that I'm not living out. I could tell you a verse about parenting, but I'm a jerk to my kids. I could tell you about generosity, but I don't know anything about it in practice. I could tell you about the right way to do church, but I don't know nothing about the grace of God because I'm not walking it out and I'm a bad witness at work and I'm not a, I'm not a Christ follower in my action, only in my mouth. So I'm deceiving myself, and then I inoculate myself because every time I hear a message, I no longer even hear the conviction anymore because I didn't respond when he said to, when I felt it. So we have to, first of all, hear consistently, but it's so important that we act instantly. Stay put. Put it into practice. Here's number three. Put a lid on it. Put a lid on it. So many of the problems that we make that necessitate the change that we desperately need comes back to our mouths. Put a lid on it, is what James says. That's why he talks so much in his little book. James's little book just is full of exhortations about speech, exhortations about the tongue. One of the most famous is when he talks about being slow to speak, about being quick to listen, and about being slow to wrath, right? Or as Eugene Peterson put it, Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. I think that's a great way to live your life. Lead with your ears, <laughs> follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. Often we're just rushing in with our tongue, and anger's following in, blazing afterwards, and we listen last, if at all. And that's not what God wants for us, and that's why we have to put a lid on it, or in other words, speak carefully. Speak carefully. That's what God says about how we should use our tongues. Our tongues are powerful. And if we would use them right, we're going to speak carefully. You know the best thing about doing that? A closed mouth gathers no feet, right? It's just amazing how easy it is to not say something you regret when you're choosing to not say something. You're just listening first. You're listening. You're not just rushing in with something, but you're just, you're just listening. And, and I love how Proverbs 10, 19 talks about how in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. When there's just so many words coming out of your mouth, instead of listening, you're going to at some point say something stupid and say something foolish. And I know a lot about this. I know so, I could tell you how long you got. I could talk to you a whole lot about this. And I've stayed up so many times late at night, bummed out, 
and, and, and heart sick over the thing that I said that I wish I hadn't said and the thing that I texted that I wish I hadn't texted and the thing that I, that I emailed in the heat of the moment because I wasn't letting anger straggle along in the rear. And instead of listening a lot and then talking, I just talk with anger and then regret it later. But I have never once in my life lied up at night, regretted how I was a really good listener that day. Have you ever lied to me? I wish I hadn't just heard that person out. I wish I hadn't just letting them speak their piece and tell me their story. I wish I hadn't asked more questions today. There's not a single one of us. But if we would speak carefully, if we would just sometimes put a lid on it, if we would just remind ourselves to not rush in, because if our mouth is closed, we won't be able to gather any feed. I heard um, Pastor Chuck Smith one time talk about how his whole life his dad would tell him. He said, son, if you, um, if, if you keep your mouth closed, people will just think you're a fool. But if you open your mouth up, it will dispel all doubt. And I just think that there's something there for every single one of us. And when we do open our mouths, when we're not putting a lid on it, after we've had a good listen, if we're not letting anger rush out, if, if we're not just blazing with, 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 with just bullets spewing out of our mouth, what then are we going to say when we do choose to speak? My recommendation would be that we choose to speak life, that we would encourage those, that we would, we would catch people doing things right, that we would, we would be, we'd be quick to give a compliment out, that we would praise people, that we would choose to build each other up. Come on, let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but that which is good for necessary edification that you may impart grace to the hearers. Speak life. Put a lid on it. All right, so we're going to put a lid on it. We're going we're gonna to put things into practice when God convicts us. We're going to stay put. What's the fourth? Jot this down. Put yourself out there. Come on, just live a life where you put yourself out there. You're like, that's great dating advice. I'm not talking about dating, but maybe that too. I don't know, maybe that was your word. Like, that's my word. Put yourself out there for God to use is what James is saying. James is saying if you want to change, if you want to see change happen in your life, what you have to do is you have to live a life where you're putting yourself out there for God to use. Don't be like one who just walks around talking about how, how great God is and the change. Just talk, 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 talk is cheap. He says, you want to impress me? He says, what's impressive to God is when you're taking care of orphans and widows. That's, you want to impress me? Go take care of an orphan. You go take care of a widow. Another translation puts it this way. Take care of homeless and loveless. Take care of those who are homeless and take care of those who are loveless. Now you're like, wait a minute, time out. Should I take care of orphans or widows or homeless and loveless? Here's an idea, all of the above. Someone's homeless, come on, take care of them. Someone's loveless, encourage them. Speak life over them, be generous with them. Someone's an orphan, encourage them. Someone's a widow, speak life to them. Do something nice for them. You wanna change your life? Be a part of changing someone who's hurting. The real way to change the world, James is saying, is to change the people in it who are hurting. And the change you want in yourself will come from you being the change that you want to see in the world. Here's why. Because as love flows through you, it always blesses you. It always blesses you. Because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So often we sit in our little Bible study groups going, I wish I, I would change. Here's what I want to do. Here's 10 more verses that I don't, I didn't apply the last nine. 
didn't apply the last nine after that. But man, I really want to change. I really want to change. And God's like, how about you go find someone who's worse off than you are and you encourage them and you help them. How about you get together with your Fresh Life group and go to one of our outreach partners and do something to make a difference in this world? How about you rise up with radical generosity? How about you sponsor a child somewhere in the world that doesn't have someone taking care of their needs? When you rise up to be the change, you'll look down and see that you have changed. Because as God's love flows through you, it always blesses you. So what am I really trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that as you hear consistently, as you act instantly, as you speak carefully, and as you serve constantly, you serve constantly. Anytime you see a need, you meet it with speed, on the spot, at the moment, at that time, you do what you can. Not what you can't, you do what you can. As you're willing to do those four things, here's what you're gonna find. You're gonna find you have power to keep yourself unspotted from the world. If you just stay on the spot and you meet the need on the spot, let me tell you what's gonna happen. You're gonna be able to do what we're all trying to do. You're gonna keep yourself unspotted from the world. You look down and go, where's the wicked? Where's the worthless? It just sort of sorts itself out as you're responding to the Holy Spirit and loving God and loving people and loving God and loving people. You're just going to kind of all of a sudden see your soul is healthy and in it. God's will is the priority. You're going to all of a sudden look down and see that as you're celebrating God's power and you're participating in God's power, that his power is doing the work that he wants to do inside you. So come on, let's live a life of worship. Let's live a life of praise and let's live it out in this world that desperately needs to know the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us for Keep the Change. If at any point during this message you made a decision for Christ, we would love to hear about it. Click on the Know God tab at FreshLifeChurch.com and we'll send you a kickstart pack that will help you just move forward in your relationship with Christ. If you are impacted by what Fresh Life is doing and would like to give above and beyond what you're giving to your local church for your tithe, please click the Give button at FreshLifeChurch.com to support what God is doing. If you have a story about how God is moving in your life, we would love to hear about it. These stories are a fuel to our fire and really encourage us here at Fresh Life. Please click share your story at freshlifechurch.com or email us at story at freshlifechurch.com.